this Easter Sunday, what I wanted to do is I want to look at three texts, and we're just going to look at three different texts that speak of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to start with the narrative text of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 28. And so turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. The title of my message this morning is Jesus Got Up. Jesus Got Up and Rose from the Grave. And so let's start up this uh, Easter sunrise service 2020 with just a, a simple repetition of the fact that Jesus got up. I'm going to say he is risen, and then I want you to say in your cars or if you're online watching, I want you to say, just repeat after me. I'll say he is risen, then you say he is risen indeed. So let's start that out. You can say in your cars or online right now, he is risen. All right, I'm going to hear you through your cars now. Do it again. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Amen. Honk your horns if you believe that. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so we are uh, looking at uh, for, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. But before we do that, I'm going to um, uh, share with you what one, one of my favorite preachers said about the fact that Jesus got up. Tony Evans is one of my favorite guys right now to listen to. He has an incredible ability to not only uh, go into biblical depth, but also to have a dynamic about what he says. And he was writing, I was reading his blog, and he was writing about uh, a fighter at one time. His, his name was Joe Lewis. He's arguably, uh, Tony Evans says, probably one of the best heavyweight boxers of all time. He had a spotless record of 27-0 going into a fight with the German Max Schmeling. This was in 1936 when Nazism was at its height, and Germany was the picture of evil. So the fight between the American and the Germans took place at a sold-out Yankee Stadium. Everybody was expecting Joe Lewis to win, but he didn't. Twelve rounds into a 15-round bout, Schmeling, the German, knocked Joe Lewis to the mat. Joe Lewis remained there, out cold. The hero had fallen. The knockout rendered a blow to our entire nation of the United States. This was not a fight against uh, just between two men. It had been a battle between democracy and fascism, right and wrong, good versus evil. And it happened that evil won. It was reported that throughout the country, people in the United States cried at the, at the uh, de declaration that Joe Lewis was defeated by the Germ uh, German. All across the country that night, when the news came out that Joe Lewis was knocked out, people cried all throughout the United States. But two years later, a second fight was scheduled between Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling. And the location was the same, sold out Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. But this time, the fight didn't even make it out of the first round because Joe Lewis came out swinging. In just one minute, Schmeling went down for the third and final time in the first round, and Joe Lewis won the match with a technical knockout. When all was said and done, Joe Lewis had thrown 41 punches to Schmeling's two punches in the first round. Uh, in this rematch, the one who was considered the enemy from Germany, the one who had been hailed as the victor, discovered he had indeed lost. Max Schmeling later wrote, the whole area of New York City was filled with celebration, noise, saxophones, continuously punctuated by the calling of Joe Lewis's name. One day, Tony Evans says, there will be another parade, I love this, filled with celebration, noise, and trumpets, but we'll be calling another name. 
It will be all because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Scripture says, at the name of Jesus, one day, every knee is going to bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. On that first Easter Sunday, after his crucifixion and death, Jesus Christ did not stay in the grave. Here's what Tony Evans says. Jesus got up. If you believe that, honk your horn right now. Jesus got up. And as Tony Evans says, Jesus Christ delivered death, its deciding blow. Buddha did not. Muhammad did not. Confucius did not. People like to call Jesus a good teacher, great prophet, but his resurrection places him in a class all by itself. He is the risen Lord. And because of that, he is the only one through whom salvation be granted. After all, you cannot place your faith in a dead Savior. Paul wrote, if Christ has not been risen, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. And without the resurrection, we'd still be dead in our sins. Bottom line, church, very first Easter Sunday after Good Friday, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus got up. Amen. So let's look at the story. Matthew chapter 28. Turn in your Bibles if you're there, and let's look at the story of the very first Easter Sunday. And it says that after the Sabbath, as it began to be dawn, we can relate to that, right? Just turned on just a few minutes ago, towards the first day of the week, which was Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for another, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone away and sat upon it. So there's this angel now sitting upon the, thro- uh, uh, upon the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. And this angel's appearance was like lightning, <clears throat> his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him because they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who's been crucified. He is not here. Why? Because he's risen. And just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples and they, that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee where you will see him. Behold, I've told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, first thing, first point in this, which do a point of scripture. The first point I want you to see in the scripture we just read on the very first Easter Sunday, the stone was rolled away. Let me say that again: the stone was rolled away. Now, question: Was the stone rolled away so Jesus could, could get out of the tomb? No. We know from other post-resurrection appearances that Jesus Christ had the ability in his resurrected body to go through locked doors. When he appeared to Thomas, and he, and he appeared to Thomas and showed his nail-pierced hands and nail-pierced feet, he, he, he appeared while the doors were locked, and he transported himself through those locked doors. So the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. Why was the stone rolled away? stone was rolled away so the disciples could get in. And so the disciples could see that Jesus Christ had risen from the grave, just like he predicted. He had told the disciples a number of times in the Gospels before his death that he was going to Jerusalem, 
And he was going to suffer many things at the hands of the religious leaders. And he was going to die on a cross. And that, But on the third day, just as his temple, his body was going to be raised from the grave on the third day. He told the disciples that. But now he wanted to verify that fact by the, having the angel move the stone away so that people could see and the disciples could see. He is not here, as the angel said. He is risen. And so that's the first point I want you to see about the resurrection is the stone was rolled away. And the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled away so that people could see, that his disciples could see, that Jesus Christ, Christ had risen from the grave. Now, this is a very important point because, you know, today, people can still see the resurrected Christ today risen from the grave. You know where they see it today? They see it when the stone is rolled away from our hearts and the risen Christ becomes alive in our lives. We're told in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, we're told this, that we can know Christ. Paul actually said this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And here's what happens. You come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. You believe in him to be your Savior and your Lord, and the stone is rolled away from your heart, and the resurrected Christ comes into your heart, and then people could see the validity of the resurrected Christ because the resurrected Christ is alive in our hearts. He's risen in our hearts. And I love this because we're told in 2 Corinthians 3, 2-3, you Christians are letters written, and, and written in our hearts, known and read by all men, and being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. First point, the stone was rolled away. And a part of this point is, so the stone is rolled away so the disciples and people could see the risen Christ. And as the stone is rolled away from our hearts, and we've become followers of Jesus Christ, People could see the validity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we're alive. We're not dead spirits anymore. We've resurrected to a new life because if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I remember when I saw it for the first time. I was a lost teenager in Chicago, Illinois, at Oak Park River Forest High School. And we had what I would consider a revival in our high school. We had about 100 young people in our high school all come to Christ around the same time, the late 70s. And people got saved, and Christ came into their hearts, and their lives were resurrected from dead to alive spiritually. I remember like it was yesterday, even though it was over 40 years ago. And I remember seeing people in my high school, even before I came to Christ, I remember seeing people change because of the resurrection of, of their lives through Jesus Christ. I remember, I remember like yesterday, the names of these guys. I remember uh, the guys that I saw change because of the resurrected Christ in their heart. Uh, Bruce Barkley, Bruce Mason, Tom Riley. I remember Gus Vandervoort, Matt Dooley. Boom, boom. I saw these guys coming to Christ. In Christ, the resurrected Christ coming into their hearts and changing their lives. And then I remember finally in February 1978, after seeing the power of the resurrection in these guys lives i bent my knee and i received christ too and i've never been the same christ came into my heart he resurrected this dead john hoppy to be alive spiritually and yes i'm not 
perfect. Yes, I've struggled the last 40 years. Yes, I've had ups and downs spiritually, but I'll never deny the fact of the reality of the resurrection because I've come to know Christ and the power of his resurrection has changed my life. The stone's been rolled away. And as, as people see the stone rolled away in our lives, we have the opportunity and the privilege of being those witnesses that Jesus called us to be. And he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So that's the first resurrection scripture I want to read. Let's look at another one. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I just want to read the first eight verses that talk about the witnesses of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. If you're there, if you're there, beep your horn. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Here we go. You're there. It says this. Now we make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you're saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he appeared. Look at this. Jesus appeared in his resurrected state to Cyphus, which is Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared also to James, that was Jesus' half-brother, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to one untimely board. He appeared to me also. Now, here's the second point I want you to see. Not only was the stone rolled away so disciples and people could see the resurrected Christ, but there was eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ multiple times. We're told in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that to these, to these, to the disciples, he presented, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to the disciples over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. You know what the verse tells us? Is that Jesus Christ, after he rose from the grave, he didn't just appear one time and then poof, out of here, back to heaven. No, he appeared over 40 days with many convincing, notice, proofs of his resurrection. I love that. I love the fact that he appeared to Cyphus, Peter. And now remember Peter's state before the resurrection. Peter was the one that denied him three times. Jesus, he's the one that, I, I don't know the man. And then remember after the resurrection, Peter was the one that because of the seeing the resurrected Christ, and because of the gift of the Holy Spirit also, I believe, Peter went on to preach the gospel and 3,000 people got saved. Peter was the one that went on to become really the, 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 one of the main leaders of the New Testament church. Peter's the one that was crucified in Rome on a hill upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die the death that my Savior has died. This man's life was changed because he was an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. We also see that he appeared in this list to the 12. If you, the 12 means the apostles. And what we know from church history that every single one of these apostles after the resurrection went on to preach the resurrected Christ and that Christ rose from the grave. And every one of those disciples, every one of those apostles, excuse me, died a martyr's death preaching that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave, except for John, and he was, uh, they tried to kill him, but he, they were not able, so they banished him to the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. And then we also see that he appeared to eyewitnesses of 500 eyewitnesses at one time. That's amazing. 
You know why that's amazing? Because it says, Paul says, in most of these believers, 25 years that saw the witnesses of the eyewitnesses of, of, of the resurrected Christ, most of them 25 years later are still alive. And Paul says, I could back up the resurrection with these witnesses 25 years later that are still testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And then he also appeared after the 500. It says he appeared to James. James was Jesus' half-brother that was a skeptic even throughout the three years of Jesus' public ministry. But then G James saw the resurrected Christ. And in seeing the resurrected Christ, he became what most historians believe the senior pastor of the church in Jerusalem and went on to write the book of James where he started the book of James saying, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. James went from a skeptic to being one of the main apostles and senior pastor of the church in Jerusalem because he saw the resurrected Christ. And then Paul says, as an eyewitness, he appeared to me too. Remember Paul? He was the Christian killer who was going to Damascus to persecute and imprison and, and try to kill more Christians. And Jesus appeared to him in his resurrected state and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that's, that you've been persecuting. And he went on to say, and, and he told Paul after that, you're going to become one of my leaders, and you're going to bring my gospel grace to kings and to Israel and even to the Gentiles. Now, why is this important that there were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why is this important? Is because it gives validity to the truth of our Christianity. When we see these eyewitnesses, we have, we have support for the evidence of what we believe is true. Chuck Colson, one of the uh, main leaders for Richard Nixon during the Watergate fiasco, Chuck Colson came to Christ, and after he came to Christ, he wrote this about the resurrection. He said this, I know that <coughs> I know the resurrection's a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus risen from the grave, and then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years. Never once did any of these apostles deny it. Every one of the apostles was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured this if it wasn't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me the 12 apostles could keep this lie of the resurrection for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Chuck Colson said that. I love what Peter, the Apostle Peter, wrote about this, 2 Peter 1.16. We don't follow cleverly devised tales when we may know to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Peter says we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Amazing. Our faith, our Christianity is not based on fairy tales, Peter says. It's based on the evidence and the truth and the validity that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. You know why that's important? That's important because sometimes we got doubts. Pastor John has doubts sometimes. I admit that. Sometimes my faith is weak and I got doubts. And you know what I do when I have doubts about what I believe and about Christianity and about Jesus? When I have doubts, I go back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I remember that there's 500 witnesses that saw Jesus in his resurrected state at one time. And there was Peter, or good old Thomas, excuse me, doubting Thomas, that doubts just like me. 
And Jesus appeared to him and said, Thomas, come over here in his resurrection state. He appeared, poofed into the room, unlocked doors. said, Thomas, put your finger right there between the nail-pierced hand. Thomas, put, put your hand through my sword-pierced side. And Thomas, don't be unbelieving, but believe. And remember what Thomas said? My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said this. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who don't see, yet they still believe. And so one of the things that can help us with our faith when we have doubts, go back to the resurrection, that there's eyewitnesses. Question, how many eyewitnesses is it necessary in our jurisprudence system to convict somebody of a capital crime? How many witnesses does it take to put someone in jail for the rest of their life if they committed murder and there's two or three witnesses? There's witnesses. There's, it only takes two or three witnesses to put someone in jail for the rest of their life. How many witnesses do we have for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? 500 at one time. And that backs up the validity of what we believe. We don't believe, as Peter said, in cleverly devised tales. We believe in the fact and the truth of the resurrection. If you believe that, honk your horn right now. Say amen. 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 Okay. Last scripture I want to read, we'll close with this this morning, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're there, go to the end of the chapter. It's a scripture, I believe, on the rapture. And it says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we're all going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will all be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. But when the perishable will put on the imperishable, this mortal will have put on immortality. Then it will come about the saying that's written, Death is swallowed up in victory. I love that. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the last point I want you to see in this last scripture. The point is this, is that Jesus, through the resurrection, conquered death. He conquered death. Now, this scripture is talking about uh, the, the, the rapture that's coming. And it's saying that there's coming a time, and I think it's soon, based on everything that's going on in our world, I, uh, there's coming a time when Christ is going to snatch us out of this world as believers in Christ and he's going to rapture, up, rapture us up into heaven. And then our mortal bodies are going to become immortal. Our perishable bodies are going to become imperishable. And if we die before the rapture, before this happens, our soul will go in heaven, but then our soul will be reunited with our bodies at the rapture, and our mortal bodies will take on immortality at that point. Our perishable bodies will take on imperishable bodies, resurrected bodies. That's the future that we have as Christians. Christ in us is the hope of glory. But the thing I want you to see about the resurrection is the reason why we could say, oh, death, oh, death, at the end of the uh, chapter, oh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason we could say those verses is because Jesus Christ conquered death through the resurrection. Jesus Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 15 also, it says that Jesus Christ's resurrection is just the first fruits of those that are going to rise from the grave. Because of the resurrection, the sting of death is gone. And the power of death is gone. 
And that's awesome. And that's what the resurrection proves to us is that Jesus Christ has taken the sting and the power of death. It's gone because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, there's certain things in my life that I love. I love, there's certain things that John Hoppy loves. I love, I love Jesus. I, I just love Jesus. I love him so much because he's changed my life. He's saved me. He's given me a whole new life. He heals me. He's changing me from the inside out. I love Jesus. There's other things I love, though, too. I, I love what we're doing right now. I love Bible study. I love the Word of God. I just I get so much nourishment from this book, and it changes me, and it feeds my soul. I love God's Word. I love, I, I love God's presence. I love it. I love being together with you all. Even though we have to be in our cars, I love that we're corporately together and we're experiencing God's presence here this Easter Sunday. I love that. I love being in God's presence with you all. I love it. I love my family. I really do. I love my four kids and my and their significant others and my granddaughter, Adele. I love my family. I love my wife, Heidi Hoppy. She's put up with me for 30-some years. I love Heidi. There's, peop- there's certain things in my life I just love. But, you know, there's certain things in my life that I hate. There's things I hate in my life, too. And I, I, I think I have a righteous hatred for them, too. I, I, I hate sin. I hate the fact that I see sin wrecking and twisting people's lives. I hate the fact that I see sin putting people in bondage and in fear and in condemnation and guilt. I hate sin. I hate the devil. I hate the devil who's come to kill, steal, and destroy. I hate the way the devil just messes people's lives up. I hate the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's certain things I hate. You know another thing I hate? Death. I hate death. I hate the fact in the last 10 years I've lost my grandparents, I've lost my parents, I've lost some of my best friends to death. I just, the, death wasn't supposed to be a part of our existence. We were created as eternal beings. And only because of our sin, the wages of our sin is death. And so I think anybody that faces losing people to death that are significant in your life, it, it's traumatic. It's not good. It's something we hate. But one of the things we have here in the scripture is because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins and then rising on the third day, it says here he's conquered death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? The victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's taken the sin and he's nailed it to a cross. And he's taken the sting of death away because he's died for our sins on the cross and then he rose from the grave on the third day. Oh, death, again, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. He's conquered death. The resurrection proves it. I think of a story I heard a while back. It was a dad with his daughter, and they were in a park and doing a picnic. And the daughter was having a great time with her dad. And uh, the daughter all of a sudden saw a bee, and the daughter had a, a severe allergy to bees. And so the daughter started freaking out because this bee started just going around her head. So you know what the dad did? The dad grabbed that bee put it in his hand and grabbed it like that and kept his daughter safe. 
And then after just a, a minute or two, he let the bee go. And then the bee started swirling around his daughter's head again and said, Dad, Dad, what are you doing Let this bee go? This bee could kill me. And the dad said, look, daughter, and he, he showed his hand. Guess what was in his hand? Well, there was a big welt, <laughs> but there was also a stinger. And what he was saying is, daughter, you don't have to worry about that bee anymore. I've taken the sting out of the, sting, out of the bee because I took the stinger for you. You know what Jesus did on the cross? His hands took the sting of death. And he died for us upon the cross. And then was buried, as 1 Corinthians 15 says. It was in that, in that buried grave until the third day. And then he rose from the grave. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The power of death has been conquered through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we believe that, and you need to trust in that. And here's the promise, too. Christ in us is the hope of glory, which means for those of us that have lost loved ones, we have a future heavenly rendezvous for those people that were believers in our lives that have preceded us in death. And those people have been promoted before us, and we're going to one day be walking on streets of gold with them again, and we'll be reunited with those people that we love that preceded us in death, that knew Christ. And we have that promise in, in Scripture, and that's why the sting of death has been taken. So three things we learned this morning, three points about the resurrection. Number one, the stone was rolled away. Now, why was the stone rolled away? The stone was rolled away so the disciples could see the resurrected Christ. And what we talked about, too, is as the stone of our hearts are, are rolled away and Christ comes into our hearts, people could see the resurrected Christ in our hearts because we are living epistles. Number two, there's multiple eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. And this truth of the multiple eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives validity to our Christian faith and can help us with our doubts. Number three, death was defeated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The sting of death is taken away by Jesus Christ upon the cross. And ultimately, death was defeated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us, as we sang this morning, a living hope. We're born again, Peter said in his epistle, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to close this sunrise service with a question. Do you got it? Do you got it? Do you have this living hope? Do you, have, you, have you had a time in your life where you've take, allowed that stone of your heart to be rolled away and have you received into your heart the resurrected Christ so he could change your life? Do you got it? If you don't have it, get it this morning. All you have to do is simply believe. The Bible says there's really three steps to having the resurrected Christ in your heart. The first step is this. You need to admit that you're a savior in need of a, 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 a sinner in need of a savior. The Bible says, uh, Romans 3.23, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you need to admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior if you're going to get the resurrected Christ in your heart. The first step is just acknowledging you need him. And then the second step to receiving the res resurrected savior in your heart is, is very simple. You need to trust him. 
The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, the word believe there can also be translated trust with confidence. Whoever believes and trusts and confidence in him will be saved and will have eternal life. John 3.16 very, very clearly says that. 200 times in the New Testament we're told all that is necessary uh, for salvation and receiving Christ is a simple trust, belief, and confidence in him to be your Savior and be your Lord. Third thing that's necessary is you need to receive him. The Bible says in John 1.12, but as many as received Christ, he gives the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The Bible says a part of receiving Christ is confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, as we've seen this morning. And if you need to do that, make this Easter Sunday, 2020, the day that you open your heart to Jesus Christ, that you receive him as your Savior and your Lord. And if you're here today and you've received him, but you've been wandering and you need to return, good news. God loves repentant sinners. He loves people that say, I've been wrong, I've been wandering, I want to come back to you, God. God receives you with open arms. He'll do that. We know that from the prodigal son story in Luke chapter 15. God doesn't just say, no, 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 you've been running from me. No, no. When you come back to him, he runs back to you with open arms. If you need to do that this morning, do that also. Let's pray.